Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Tim Plain's house on a Saturday night, he plays river dance. And then his wife and children leave him with the next two songs. Is that what happened? Do I have that right? <laughs> that is not correct. In 2010, the international phenomenon, best-selling band of all time, One Direction is formed. And those are Flannery's top three one Direction songs. That's amazing. I've never heard any of those three songs and it's worked <laughs> out great for me. <laughs> 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Fellas, what is going on? It is two What's up with you, Timmy? Ten. Uh, Jeff Simons in Berkeley, California. You doing well? I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, we're taping the day the Warriors let game four slip away in the NBA playoffs. So we're all a little melancholy out here in the Bay, but we'll get over it. So, sorry you couldn't have your sweep. I I, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, ben Barton has, has Knox, a beautiful day in Knoxville, I believe. 85 degrees. A little warm. A little warm for me, but can't complain. <laughs> Oh, now we're complaining. Dude, I don't like it when there's no spring. I don't like cold, 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 hot. That's Yeah, that stinks. We have a lovely day here. It's like 68, light breeze, beautiful sunny day. Well, welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50-year-old white guys on the Electrocast Podcast Network. Speaking of which, have I told you what I am doing on May 17th of this year? Uh, Didn't I text it out? No, help I us. Don't believe you have, sir. Eugene we're not a management. Martin. Remember, we're we're like we're below management. Former guest of the podcast, Eugene Merman, the comedian, has invited us out. Sorry, us. Me the royal him. way. I think it's ah. the royal us. <laughs> invited us out to the world premiere of the Bob's Burgers movie. So we're gonna we're gonna fly out to L.A and uh, do the red carpet thing and see a great movie and hang out with the likes of Eugene Merman. Uh, who else is going to be there? Uh, H. John Benjamin, I assume, will be there. That is correct. That is correct. Um, so we're going to see lots of fun people. But I was thinking, as long as I'm in L.A., I should stop by the Electrocast headquarters. Without question, right? totally. I should do that. Yes. Steal an ashtray while you're there. <laughs> yeah, get a mug. I bet they got mugs. 
I can't wait for the person to be like, um, and and you are who who are you again? Either that, or you're gonna show up, and it's gonna be like a tumbleweeds and a cardboard box with a number printed on it. It'll be nice to know just uh, what we're dealing with. Either way, it'll be well worth uh, well worth a stop by. I'm gonna just be like, no, no, I'm a, I'm a 50 year old white guy. You have to let me in, which is gonna sound. Um, it's not gonna sound great, but it's actually probably pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you not? Um, I had talked about trying to turn that into a little visitation with y'all, but uh, that was met with crickets. Well, when I um, suggested it was not met with crickets. It, it was met with crickets, and then crickets not, might not have been intentionally hurtful, but they were crickets nonetheless. I okay. <laughs> let me apologize now for those crickets. Uh, they got away from me. But yes, we would love to see you if you wanted to fly down to L.A. on a Monday or Tuesday and hang out with us. Well, all during the day because at night it's star time. You know I'm I mean? sorry. I have plans. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to the Grammy winner of 2010. What was the best album of the year? Hit it. It's the Grammy winner. Suburbs by Arcade Fire. never heard that particular song that's the title lead off track my man that's it suburbs that's how, that, that's how the grammy winner of the year begins huh ben what do pretty you think boring about? pretty boring okay all right yeah i think we saw that the it's same way did this ben, make you happy i mean you like these guys i like these guys um that song did not make me happy it did not move the needle <laughs> did any of you watch their surprise coachella set the other uh the other night no how was it you're not surprising great. me now not great in oh, my no. humble opinion but you're down on them you don't like them i don't love them i would say i'm completely ambivalent about them like okay. i don't i don't need to hate on them but uh the world in which i reach for that record to listen to it doesn't exist have we but said i'm not offended name? by it have we said their name yet for the audience this is the Arcade Fire record. Oh, actually, yeah, Ro Robot Lady will take care of that for us. Yeah, okay. Hey, listen, I, um, I had a little trouble in 2010. And so I went to the Google, and they told <laughs> me about some of the, the best albums of 2010. And there was a band there. Uh, you know, you always hear about this band. I, don't, I couldn't name a song by them. I had never listened to the album. But I went and clicked on Vampire Weekend. Are are either of you picking them? No. No, but I love them. I, I had I, this record and I really liked it. I don't get it. I don't get it. How's it was it was terrible. Oh, oh! it was terrible. I mean, I was like, is this for real? <laughs> That's an amazing take by you. Thank You're you. a guy who likes Paul Simon and you don't like this? I know. What are you talking about? It's like Graceland meets Talking Heads. I thought it would be so up your alley. I don't like, like Paul Simon. I've been on my life. No. 
I like talking heads. I don't like Paul Simon. All right. I, so I apparently I started with the wrong. I only gave it like three songs and then I turned it off. I should have kept listening. Yeah, the new record, which is now like two years old, I think it's called Harmony Hall. That or maybe that's a single off of it. That record is fantastic. Oh no, it's called it's called Father of the Bride. That record is just exceptional. I strongly recommend it. I I really like all of their records. I I saw them at Bonnaroo like right after that first record came out. It was great. A Thursday night show at Bonnaroo where they just absolutely killed it. And then afterwards, I mean, this is how new they were. Five minutes later, the members of the band were walking out with their girlfriends to join the rest of the crowd. Like it was just fantastic. Um, And then I I don't know, I've seen them three or four times since. Um, It's actually a little bit weird that I like them. They're super precious. And the guy who's the songwriter is very annoying. And yet, I just can't help myself. I yeah, just this is a weird really, one really like because this band was designed to piss you off. Like Columbia <laughs> University undergraduates who really love Paul Simon. Like I, that, I know, but and somehow they right. I just really like them a lot. Totally. There's something about the guys. He's got like kind of an angular guitar part. Um, I just it, it works for me. And also, he doesn't seem as phony as Paul Simon, but maybe I have that wrong. All right, um, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get some angry tweets from the Vampire Weekend fan who listens. Oh no, to I'm us. pro Vampire Weekend. I just no, but Tim's take is pretty uh, spicy, pretty, uh, lustrous in its coat. Jeff, are you also ambivalent on Vampire Weekend? I am. I am totally. Arcade I gave Fire, these guys so Vampire many chances Weekend. because Ben just keeps telling me I'm crazy for not liking them, but um. And they do a lot of things I like. They do weird sounds. They have cool guitar lines. The songs are short. They have weird little keyboards popping in and out. They treat the drums all bizarrely. Um, but I have a hard time keeping the... Um, I have like half a dozen other tunes on my iPod. Like I, I don't dislike them, but I haven't had... Okay. The records have not like sustained me. So All right. I need to see them. I haven't... I, I, this is a band I keep missing. I have not seen Vampire Weekend Live. It would probably help me a lot. So Timmy, you got the pen out. Yeah. Harmony Hall is the single from those recent records. That's great. And then Hold You Now featuring Haim is just the most spectacular story about sleeping with the bride the night of the wedding and then getting into a fight the next morning. That's what the song's about. That's awesome. You're going to love it. And it's that's where the just watch your mouth when you're talking about the father or the bride. That's where the name of the record comes from. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's good okay. stuff. Um, I can't wait. I love the last Hold You Now. So I'm sure I'll like this one. By the Thompson <laughs> Twins. That was Thank a good you. one too, yeah. Um, all right, it is 2010. Um, you know, my my little son Henry had just been born at the Aww. end of 2009. So I, I think I remember 2010 uh, just being exhausted all the time as I stayed home with the baby. Uh, yeah. You stayed home with your kids, if I remember That's correctly. That's amazing, Tim. Tell us more. By the way, Tim's in his basement polishing his father of the year trophy. Like he's just like getting into a high shine right now. I yeah, Tim, so, he's got the father of the year award and Ben has three Vampire Weekend albums on yeah, vinyl. Yeah, no, for sure. 2010 polishing. was amazing because I didn't pay attention to my children, but I heard a lot of Vampire Weekend. <laughs> All right, I get it. So so we could drop Bonnaroo anytime we want, but it, God forbid we talk about <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. In 2010, the iPad is released. Jeff, have you been converted? Are you off the laptop onto an iPad? Not even remotely. Not even by a tiny bit. My daughter uses 
an iPad mini that we bought like eight years ago for Will. Uh, and it just keeps, I got to say, it just keeps chugging along. I mean, it's eight years old and two, two children under 10 have used it for like, you know, drawing okay. games and dumb shit like that. And it just keeps, keeps chugging. But Matt, I, are you, are, are you off the uh, lap, laptop onto the iPad? No, short answer. That's no, I, it's a big phone. Yeah. But it doesn't work as a phone. So that's a problem for me. I'm a big pass on the iPad. I totally agree. I, I find it, I find the size like awkward. I hate typing with it on it. Those little mini keyboards they give you to turn it into a laptop suck. But you've got students who are buying in, right? Students take notes on it. Students have. I little... really don't. No, you the don't? iPad, I would call the iPad like the CD of Apple's uh, product line. Oh, no way, man. The Apple TV is that. Here's the thing is that um, <laughs> I'm not an e-reader person. Like I physically like to hold the book in my hand. It, it, as an e-reader, like I, a couple of times I got a book on it and I was like, oh, this is, is really good for that. Like it's fantastic for that. And if you just want to look at the internet, like it's pretty, it's good. You know, you want to watch videos on it or whatever, but like it's it's not a work item. And that's what I mean by a phone. Like I can just do that on my phone. I have my phone with me all the time. I have to haul this heavy thing around with me. All right. So what about um, you? Are you a big iPad guy? Not at all. And oh, okay. I, Helen gave me her old one and said, this is going to revolutionize your teaching. Uh, it hasn't. <laughs> We have, I was, um, I got a free one when they first came out because they wanted us to adapt and be early adapt. Some parent like bought a bunch of iPads for sure, teachers. Sure. And then I got another one when we were going to do a, we're going to make all the kids buy one because it was going to change everything. I actually have four old iPads oh my God. in my closet on top of each other, all uncharged. And they all have like mini golf on them and nothing else. Like I, I, <laughs> I just couldn't make the thing work for me. Suze, my wife is all about it. She does all her paper grading on it. She's got the iPad too with the stylus. She's making charts. She's zinging things back and forth. She's mastered how to use it with her wow. learning management system. Like she's, She's the queen of the iPad. We could bring her on as a guest, but um, she's like like Tom Cruise in Minority Report, just flinging things around. Yeah, you know um, that's funny you mentioned that. I just caught up on Westworld. I got an HBO subscription. And I just watched all three seasons of Westworld. Wait, what year? There's a lot this, of really fancy iPad looking. things. What year is this podcast too. coming out? Uh, <laughs> in 2010, the highest grossing movie was Toy Story Three. I want to know, this is your impossible question of the podcast. Which Pixar movie gets you to tears quickest? Toy Story 3, Up, or Inside Out? That's totally easy. It's Up because the first five minutes of Up are tear-jerking. You should have oh, gone with the most quickest. tears. You should have gone with the most tears. But yeah, Toy most Story 3 makes me cry hot uncontrollable volcano tears oh dude it's inside out for, for the me. last 27 minutes all right but ben let's hear from you first why inside out inside out is georgia's favorite movie and like just that movie just murders me it's so beautiful like the, the sacrifice of the people inside her brain to have her the kid move on just fantastic oh. i love that one and also the, the whole concept where there's like a little angry person a little happy person a little sad person <laughs> Like when that little angry guy comes out for me, I can actually see him in my brain as it's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yep. All right. It's so, terrific. It's so great Simon's movie. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3, when they all are trembling at the edge of the incinerator oh 
and they all just quietly hold each other's hands. I start sobbing <laughs> and then I don't start sobbing until the credits. It's nonstop. I've seen it three times and I have blubbered uncontrollably with like the <laughs> noises and like just snot, tears, multiple tissues. I, I've never had a movie do that to me before or since in the theater at home at home a third time i just i it's like a trigger for me man that movie destroys me i, I have love, not watched toy story 4 because i'm afraid of what it will do to the experience i have watching toy story 3 i i love the fact that we are three 50 year old white men who are so in sync with each other's emotional lives <laughs> so great the thing that uh, I loved about that movie is that Toy Story 3 is terrifying. It's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And Pixar, like, they hit the entire emotional waterfront in a way that other movies just forgot that was available to them. Like, you go back and you watch, uh, particularly Bambi. Yeah. Like, in Bambi, it's like, just, we kill the mom ASAP. <laughs> like, the mom died. We're eight <laughs> minutes in and your mom's dead. Yeah, it's like a Tony Morrison novel. How about chew on that, Bambi? Like, and, and they like everyone forgot that like the movies were so soft through the 70s and so yeah. squishy they and they like in tom and jerry they got rid of the fighting but i mean pixar just goes right for that like right for that freaking heart because i mean children have really rich emotional lives including fear fear is a major part of a child's life and i just love that those movies don't steer out of that like it's fantastic Oof. i sent you three songs yeah you're gonna play 20 seconds from each song okay and Ben Barton is going to tell us what's going on after you play those three songs. Timmy, I've got a very sad story for you, man. What do you got? At Tim Plain's house on a Saturday night, he plays river dance. <laughs> and then his wife and children leave him with the next two songs. Is that what happened? <laughs> do I have that right? <laughs> that is not correct. In 2010, the international phenomenon, best-selling band of all time, One Direction is formed... And those are Flannery's top three One Direction songs. That's amazing. I've never heard any of those three songs, and it's worked <laughs> out great for me. <laughs> totally, a totally manufactured band that at this point has given us a, a, a number of solo acts. Has there ever been a manufactured band that 
ultimately produced legitimate artists. Oh like, wait, who's the guy? Who's the One Direction guy? That guy's gigantic, Harry Styles. Yeah, yeah no, I'm saying besides. Bef- oh yeah, go Even ahead. People from the like who jumped out of New Edition? Bobby Brown was in New Edition. All right, you're gonna go with Bobby Brown. How about Michael Jackson? Right from the maybe uh, heard of him. He was pretty good. Yeah. They weren't manufactured. Yes, oh, they, they very were. were. That was Dude, a fact. They, they, they were manufactured by your brutal, like abusing <laughs> father. <laughs> they were. They were really manufactured. They were like it's a harsh manufacturing. Yeah. Did anybody <laughs> from the Bay City Rollers break out? Wait, who did? <laughs> I don't know. I was no, and also uh, Timberlake. Yeah. Oh, Timberlake. And how about one. Beyonce? Maybe you heard of her? Like Destiny's these, Child. Yeah, these bands crank out. I mean, the sad thing is for like the ugly kids in the band, but I mean, the, <laughs> the people who make blooded. it, make it. Holy crap, that's cold-blooded. <laughs> like, like Tina Yothers did not You know what these out, are? But- these are just select athletic programs, these manufactured bands. There's one guy who's going to break out and go D1, and everybody else is just paying the fees so you can have a team to showcase the one guy who's going to break out that's all one direction was was a select volleyball team with a d1 star i well, like there's I another something with that isn't there somebody who's not harry styles who's also famous out of this band or am i yeah, there might that? be yeah there is and uh it begins with an l because oh wait i i get these guys and then ninjago confused it's like zane Oh yeah, Zane, right. Harry. I mean, Harry Styles has got like, I don't know, three or four really good songs. Not I even agree. Kind of we good might songs, actually like be really talking about Harry Styles in a couple of years, by the Whoa. way. Whoa. I'm not kidding. Way to bring in the younger listeners. Let's go to our first ad break. And we're back <laughs> to not talk about One Direction, but instead... We're going to go in a very different direction, Jeff Simons, with Ooh. the number one selling album of 2010. You got to admit, Tim is getting very smooth at these He's transitions. Smooth, really. That was like, not that, hard, that had like that, a that was pivot. not difficult. That was like Jason Tatum swinging around Irving to the bucket at the hey end now. of game one. Hey That's now. what that was like. Here we go. I had no idea what song to pick. This was the first single and the one that seemed to be the one that people cared about. But it's the number one album. Recovery. By Eminem. I'm not afraid. Yeah. It's been a ride. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll get you there. You can try and read my lyrics off of this paper before I lay them But you won't take the sting out these words before I say them Cause ain't no way I'ma let you stop me from causing mayhem When I say I'ma do something, I do it I don't give a damn what you think I'm doing this for me So fuck the world, feed it beans It's gassed up, if it thinks it's stopping me I'ma be what I set out to be Without a doubt, undoubtedly And all those who look down on me, I'm tearing down your balcony Knowing fans are bust, don't try to ask him why or how can he From infinite down to the last relapse album He's still shitting whether he's on salary Paid hourly until he bows out Or he shits his bowels out of him Whichever comes first, for better or worse He's married to the game Like a fuck you for Christmas His gift is a curse Forget the earth, he's got the earth To pull his dick from the dirt And fuck the whole universe I'm not afraid I'm not Uh, so I'm not to a, people who are puzzled, that's Eminem Recovery, and that's not, I mean, Love the Way You Lie was a gigantic international number one hit everywhere that it was released. So that 
that that that would be the song that everybody would know. You got to blame Wikipedia. Uh, I don't like that, that song. Clear. So that the one that Jeff chose is fine. I don't really care for this album, but love the way you lie has got Rihanna singing on it, and it's uh like a love song to abuse. It's it's really kind of great. What? So, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Y'all can listen to make up your own mind. Ah, oh, I thought yeah. that sucked tremendously a lot. I thought oh, the song I, we just heard was bad. Oh, yeah. that was bad. A lead single and the lead song. No, and also this is when he's turned the corner and he's like, he's like, I'm done being funny. Now I'm just grim. Yeah, and and but, like, I mean, he's dude. He sold a gargillion records. Like, yeah, like this is the second time I think he's had a number one selling record, right? Yeah. I, I just can't there, but I mean, like that. That sounds like a parody of himself. Like that right. is like that is like watching, you know, that scene in Hoop Dreams. When the dad tries to beat his kid at one-on-one and yeah. the kid just eats him alive because he's yeah. in all the same moves from the 70s. That's what that song sounds like to me. That's what that's that really is what that sounds like. That's rough. All right. Well, uh, moving right along, I got a little more info about 2010. Germany makes final reparation payments for what? I'm sorry, what? Germany, Holocaust, oh, Germany makes okay. final reparations payments for what? It is not the Holocaust. In 2010, they made the final reparations for World War One. It was it was a it was a layaway plan. Yeah, that's like they extended. That's like the Bobby Bonilla contract. They just extended it out. <laughs> it's a great contract. Um, and Ben, you and I uh, have discussed CERN, the laboratories there in Switzerland before yes. on this podcast. Jeff feels left out because he was not as scientific as we That's were. okay. I'll go on mute. <laughs> <laughs> at, at CERN, researchers trap 38 anti-hydrogen atoms for one-sixth of a second, marking the first time in history humans have trapped antimatter. And the invitation to cynicism question is, how can we tell at one-sixth of a second what they did exactly? Is that one of those things where the boss comes in the lab and like, hey, guess what? Yeah, you couldn't see it, but that's what just happened. I, I got good it. news for you. We had the world's greatest one-sixth of a second. It was really, it was like the high point of our year was just right then. Nailed it. Did you miss that? Um... And in 2010, the Arab Spring begins in December. That hasn't gone exactly the way folks would have hoped uh, by the time we were looking at the uh, at the map in 2022. But I'm wondering, favorite Middle Eastern city, or, or what about favorite city in the Middle East that you would like to visit? Oh, what do I you love got? This one. My brother just spent two and a half weeks in Jerusalem. That's on my like very short list. Never been. Can't wait to go. Awesome. J- Jeff, are you going to take yourself out of this? I, no. Um, <laughs> I, Jerusalem sounds great. I'll go with Ben. This is a part of, this is a conversation to which I am, I am like a pin the tail on the donkey contestant. So I'll just say, yes, Jerusalem. Is there, is there a city in the Middle East that we should talk about in season three like oh this is a good city for music good bands have come out of here <laughs> we're just gonna all three of us gonna choose rock the casbah 
with that entire region. And that's not going to work out for us, Timmy. So the short answer is no. It is not a uh, hotbed for the kind of music this podcast tends to showcase. What about the guy that Sting sang with? What was his name? Oh, yeah, but that's not right. It's not. Well, it's not Western like his. Yeah, it's not the tonal harmony choices that we're used to like it uses all these uh sharps and flats that aren't in the tonal harmony scale that's the basis for rock music so there just aren't a lot of bands all right we're gonna fix this okay all right with this podcast one young impressionable 50 year old at a time (laughs) um let's get to our three albums Our three albums. In 1987, when I graduated high school, Christopher Edwin Bro is born in Long Beach, California. When he's five, his family moves to New Orleans and they stay in New Orleans till he graduates from high school in 2005. You might recall that 2005 was not a banner year for New Orleans. Katrina hits. He's enrolled at University of New Orleans to study English. Everything gets ruined. He goes to the University of Louisiana Lafayette, stays there for a couple of weeks. And he's like, you know what? F it. Moves back to LA to pursue a career as a songwriter. He's working at fast food places. He's hustling. He's doing everything that he possibly can. He finally gets signed to Def Jam as a songwriter, not as an act. He writes songs for Justin Bieber, John Legend, Brandy. At the same time, he's trying to sell himself as a solo act, and he's just getting a hard brick wall from Def Jam. So he does two different things. First thing he does is he joins this like weird group, like this collective Oddfellows group run by Tyler, the creator. Um, and he tours with them. He writes a couple of songs for them. He's engaged in that. And at the same time, he's writing his own mixtape. And sometimes like Drake will put out a mixtape and it's, it's not a mixtape, it's just an album that he calls a mixtape. Like he records it all in the studio, there's nothing mixy about it. It's not a cassette tape, it's something that he actually put out. This is a legit hardcore mixtape by Frank Ocean. And it includes like, Along in the mixtape, there's a whole bunch of different parts where you hear a stop on the cassette and a pop out of the cassette and him picking it up and turning it around. Like he's included that sound thing on his actual mixtape to make clear just how mixtapey it is. He's got it in the can. He brings it to Def Jam. It's got a bunch of samples that he can't clear, including an entire song based on Hotel California that will make you laugh out loud as hard as you can. I mean, it's the actual backing track to Hotel California with Frank Ocean singing his own lyrics to it for no reason at all. And then like they couldn't, they never actually released that song and they couldn't because the Eagles wouldn't clear it. And he was like, I never made a nickel off of that. That's how much I love the Eagles. Frank Ocean loves the Eagles and Hotel California. It's amazing. Anyhow, he tries to get them to put it out and they're like hemming and hawing, F it. He just puts it out for free on the internet in 2011. It's one of the biggest mixtapes of the year. They sign him. They put it out themselves in 2012. 
At the same time, he's on the um, Watch the Thrones with Kanye and Jay-Z. And I'm really super extra mega keeping track of him. Like, I, like as soon as this came out, I was on it. Now, the he's the most or among the most influential artists to people my daughter's age. Um, and people our age may or may not know him. He, this is not his best record. It's his first record, but it's my favorite record. And here's what I mean by that. Jeff and I, previous podcasts, had an argument about the first Dylan record and the second Dylan record. And I was like, that's such a soft spot for the first Dylan record. And Jeff was like, you're an idiot. The second Dylan record is like demonstrably superior. That's the truth for Frank Ocean. The second Frank Ocean record is like unquestionably superior to the first record. But the first record is so charming and it's ambition and weirdness and freakishness. It's like, um, we've discussed my puppy Romeo who has gigantic paws. Um, it's like a puppy with gigantic paws. Like this album is so strange and you're like, but you can really see it. Like you can see all of it, like the, like the sheer artistry of it right out of the gate. And it's super similar to the first Rolling Stones record. Like, I just absolutely love this. I met a dude who was another guy who was like the songs are my favorite band. And I was like, rock on, what's your favorite album? He was like the first one. And I was like, the first one, the first one's your favorite record. Like you're not going to, like you're not going to use exile or, or any of the ones for 67 to 73. And he's like, no, I just like the first one. That's where it all started. That's my favorite. And weirdly, that's where I've landed on Frank Ocean. Now, the, the Frank Ocean heads are going to be mad. Um, Channel Orange is his second record. And that one is probably his best record. Um, and then, the, but the, the favorite one of the kids is Blonde. That's the one that they really like. That's the 2016 one. And then this guy is just a super weirdo, extra artistic guy. He hasn't put out a record since 2016. And if you search, when will Frank Ocean's record come out? You'll see that there are you know, articles from 2017 forward. Frank's in the studio and he's too big a genius to put out a record. It's great. It's all super good. Um, the record samples a lot of things. He can kind of sort of play guitar and kind of sort of play keyboards, but he really, really is a legit computer programmer. Like he actually puts these albums together in like a pro set just on his computer, like putting all of the pieces together. Um, that's what the record sounds like, but I don't mean that as criticism, I mean that as praise. Like he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant songwriter and arranger. And, and it sounds, it's like a neo soul, neo R&B sound, um, but the way he writes it, it's really modern and a fresh take on it. Um, Jeff, I'm gonna ask you, to go to the 32nd mark of Novocaine. It's all right. Um, and dude, it's it's like a little bit of a sad story. Like he grew up in New Orleans. His dad left when he was seven. His dad was a homophobe and he's come out as like some kind of, um, and, and I mean this as respectfully as I possibly can. Like you ask the guy if he's bisexual, he's like, I'm in a process of moving on. Like it's a very this generation version of it. And yeah, his dad was a homophobe and he called his dad a homophobe. And then his dad freaking sued him for defamation. Yeah. Like that's how estranged this family is. Like just a heartbreaker. Um, he's got a really beautiful, sensitive soul. This kid. Oh, and uh, along with an entire song based on um, the Eagles, there's a Radiohead song. He's got a 30 second skit of his girlfriend listening to Radiohead and saying, "I don't know why you make me listen to this. I don't know why you make me listen to this." That's so <laughs> good. Are you ready? That's yeah. awesome. Nostalgia Ultra by Frank Ocean. Every single record, auto tuning, zero emotion, muted emotion. 
pitch corrected, computed emotion. Uh huh. I blame it on a model bra with a Hollywood smile. Ow. Stripper booty in a rack like wow. Brain like Berkeley, met her at Coachella. I went to see Jika, she went to see Z Trip. Perfect. I took a seat on the ice cold on. She handed me a ice blue bong, whatever. She said she wanna be a dentist really bad. She's in school paying for tuition, doing porn in the valley. At least you're working, but girl, I can't feel my face. What are we smoking anyway? She said, don't let the high go to waste. But can you taste, little taste, Novocaine, baby? Fuck me long, fuck me numb Love me now when I'm gone Love me none, love me none Love me none, numb, numb, numb So yeah, the song's called Novocaine and that, that the, the little short story that we just heard there is where he meets this girl at Coachella and they, they're getting high and so it's like the numbing part of it. But I, th- I started it there so Jeff could hear the auto-tune, no emotion, no emotion part. Like, he's so like, tuned into what's happening with popular music and he writes this it's a real throwback sound i mean it sounds like a marvin Gaye song um and the fact that he like spotlights on how crappy music is and connects that into the numbing effect of novocaine with his uh, wannabe dentist girlfriend who's also doing part of the valley like the combination (laughs) of things in here is like just all over the map but like just comes together into this like just super likable uh album and song Wow. Jeff, you a fan? Ah, Tim is so underwhelmed. Uh, what? You were like, huh? <laughs> that was definitely like Tim Plain's like, what do I do? I'll throw it to Jeff. Um, I, I admire Frank Ocean more than I like him. This is a, a great source of frustration for Ben and me. But um, I do think Ben's hit the nail on the head. Like Frank Ocean is a pastiche of the immediate moment on this record and the next record and the next record. Um, it, and it's not my moment. So uh, I think I'm supposed to struggle to hear it. Um, but I, I do think that there's a lot here that's thoughtful and smart and interesting. And there's a lot here that's intentionally derivative and sounds like a lot of other stuff. It's one of those things, right? Where like, if you're a big fan of a genre, you can hear the difference between the thing that's great and the thing that's imitative and not great. There are styles of music where I can, I feel super confident in my, my BS meter and my, my being able to, to pull the wheat from the chaff. This is not a genre in which my ears should be uh, relied on at all. I can hear that Frank Ocean is a super talented guy. Um, but it's not something, it's not a sound that I like wake up in the morning wanting to hear, but I am not gonna, I, I'm not gonna diss on it the way I diss on Drake. Like I hear Drake and I'm just like, this is comedically weird and not, not, doesn't do anything for me. Frank Another Ocean, point of way contention more musical than Drake, way more uh, up my alley, probably because of the throwback qualities of it. But uh, so that's my two cents. Ben, I had a student three years ago who, um, she she would kind of set herself up for an emotional uh, catharsis 
every morning as she drove to school and she would play a Frank Ocean song that made her cry. And so nice. she'd, get, she'd get teary and get all the feels uh, and then arrive in the school parking lot and reset herself for her day. But it was Frank Ocean. I wish I... Does he sing... Um, does he sing a, a Somewhere Over the Rainbow version? No, no, dude. He's got a fantastic, beautiful version of Moon River that will just rip your heart out. If that it's was it. so oh. beautiful. Yeah, and dude, uh, this is one of Dahlia's favorite artists. Her favorite song is White Ferrari, if you want to check out her. And, and by the way, I'm going to say that, and then she's going to be like, Dad, that's not my favorite. <laughs> she keeps rotating through her favorite song. Uh, but yeah, Dolly reports that she is addicted to catharsis. So that, that fits that mood for sure. Addicted to Catharsis, a new play by Tim Plain. I'm stealing that title. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Over to you, Jeff Simons. So I changed my pick this afternoon. Whoa. As, uh, and here's why. Because I was setting up a conversation that we've already had not once but twice in the last couple of weeks. Or I pick a band who made a record I like, and Ben's like, yeah, it's all right, but it's one of those bands where I liked it and it didn't stay with me. And we were going to have the exact same argument. So I am actually flippy-flopping to go to a sweet, sugary spot in Ben's world, which is the local artist that you love that's as good as the national acts. And the only reason you don't know about them is because of the fate of the record industry. So I am going to uh, champion an album from 2010 from my own little San Francisco scene. Um, luckily enough for me, this is a friend. Um, I'm on this record, although I'm not on very much of it. I play piano on the song you're about to hear. Um, but this is really the work of two of my dear friends, uh, the producer, arranger, mixer and all around musical wonderful guy jerry becker whose name comes up on the show a lot and my friend joel streeter who made this record called matador in 2010 this is joel's second record joel moved to san francisco from the east coast with a bunch of songs in his pocket and met jerry at a party and said hey can you help me make a demo because i want to meet some players what was supposed to be a demo turned into a full-blown solo record and it was so well written. It's, it was smart and thoughtful that a bunch of us, when we met Joel and heard his record, we're like, oh, I will. Uh, let's get to know him better. Joel fell into a collection of bands that Jerry and I organized called the San Francisco Songwriters Coalition. Um, I ended up playing in bass in his band and then got to play keys on this on some of this record. Um, and then like so many local artists, right, like we pushed this record really hard. We put a hell of a band together. Joel had like an all-star band of local talent. We were really killing it live, but it's hard to pay six guys um, and keep it going. And he pushed, pushed, pushed. And uh, he met a girl and he got married and it was time to start really paying rent. And so Joel is now back East, killing it in a different profession and playing uh you know, on the side occasionally. And it sounds like from talking to him recently that he's got, he's starting to get some tunes together. But every time Joel comes to town, we book a show at a little crummy club and we all get together and we play these wonderful songs together. Um, Joel is uh, one of those guys who the, the melodies just kind of fall out of his head. Like the melodies are effortless uh, and he's got great taste and arrangement as does Jerry. This is a record with one great song after another. I'm gonna play the title track 
Um, it's a great introduction, but there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight songs on this record that I could have chosen as an introduction to Joel um, that would have been uh, equally strong. But I'm picking Joel not because uh, just because he made a great record, because the lesson here to our devoted little group is down the block from your house, some guy or gal is going to show up in the next couple of weeks with a band and a handful of songs, and they're gonna be really good. They're gonna be as good as the stuff that Spotify is telling you to listen to. And it's worth every couple of months getting dressed up and taking a shower and getting your significant other and heading down to the local spot and hearing some live music because you might actually hear somebody great and they will love to meet you and talk to you and tell you when their next show is um, and you can give that person who desperately needs a little goose to keep going uh, the shot of energy that they need. Ben can name half a dozen bands from the Knoxville scene that he absolutely loves. He has turned me on to some of them. I know Tim can do the same in Asheville. My Little Bay Area scene uh, has produced a bunch of great artists, but it's also produced a bunch of great artists that have not slid through the cracks and into the national consciousness. So if you're a lover of music, go help somebody show up the next night and write another song because you never know and you never know. Here is the title track from Matador uh, by my dear friend, uh, Joel Streeter. Matador by Joel Streeter. Like so many others who fought before him Generations come, they know the road they have to play. Cause that's what we wanna see. A song. Like, I love that there's a six, eight halftime bridge in the middle of this little rock song. It's a really ambitious record. Joel knew he probably wouldn't get to make another one with the, with the folks in town. So he threw the whole kitchen sink at it. I was going to say, he's got, some, he's got some serious musicians on that track. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, is that him playing lead yeah, or is that? No, I think that's Depredo from yeah, uh, that the was Megan really angular. Band. That yeah. sounded great. It might be Jerry. I can't remember. I, to be honest, like, I mean, I'm, there's like we all played like 40 gigs with Joel, but I can't remember how many of us actually made it into the studio for the record. I have to go back and check the, the back of it, but Fantastic. that's good stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to bring us home. Um, taking a page 
out of your books. <clears throat> oh, actually, before I start, Ellie Cass uh, just texted me back. It was Moon River, Ben Barton, the, uh, by Frank Ocean. I guess yeah, it's a and listen, that's my mom's favorite song. And it was my parents' wedding song. Oh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, heartfelt rendition of it. That song's great. I don't care how how uh, played it is. It deserves to be oversaturated. That's a beautiful song. And Frank Ocean kills it. Yeah, he's right. really sad singing it, which is like appropriate for the material. Oh, uh, okay. In 2005, Don Flemons, Sewell Greg Wilson, and Rihanna Giddens met in Boone, North Carolina at the first Black Banjo Gathering. And in 2010, the Carolina Chocolate Drops put out their first album. It's called Genuine Negro Jig. Jeff Simons, would you do me a favor and go to Hit em Up Style, but start one minute in for me. Genuine Negro Jig by the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Hey ladies, when your man wanna get buck wild, just go back and hit him up style. Get your hands on his cash and spend it to the last time for all the hot times. When you go, then everything goes, from the crib to the ride in the clothes. So you better let him know that if he mess up, you gotta hit him up. They're actually they're not from Boone. I think they're actually from Raleigh or Durham or something like that. But they uh, they've got an album here. It's kind of some covers, kind of some traditional instrumentals. They wanted to remind folks that there were black string bands in the Piedmont area in North Carolina, um, and and it took it took us all the way to 2022 to really kind of unearth that, uh, thanks to these three musicians. Yeah, they won the Grammy with this record. Oh, did it really? Yeah, won the Grammy for Best Traditional Folk Album in 2010. Oh. Okay, not Album of the Year then. No, no, no. And they're from Durham, apparently. Durham, okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Did you like this one, Ben? I did like that one, too. And I, I, I don't have this record. I, I will check it out. I love that it's called Hit em Up Style. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> I'll bet... Um, I bet this is terrific live. Can't you just hear it like a little yeah. louder and a little bit, a little bit more loose? I bet this is pretty uh, terrific. Yeah, it's just the three of them. I, I mean, I think people have gone in and out of the band over the years. They got a little cornbread and butter beans. Oh, you know what I know from these guys, Ben? Do you have that Dylan Chimes of Freedom uh, tribute record? I think I do. Yeah, they do the political world. They do the banjo. Oh, is that world. right? Yeah. Oh, nice. Play a little. Okay, hold on a sec. 
so beleaguered. It's such what a hard are, life to What am I paying you for? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> Good question. What are you paying me for? One, two, three. Living a political world, love don't have any place. We're living in times when men commit crimes, crime don't have a face. We're living a political world. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a local uh, North Carolina musicians trying to make their way. That could be the theme of this particular podcast, could it not? For sure. Indeed. I think Frank Ocean's the one who kind of broke through. We had a local San Francisco one last week, too. So we're really, we're killing it. Local San Francisco is getting a lot of Yeah, and I didn't even have to pick them. That was great. great. That's great. All right, gentlemen. um, That is it for 2010. Do you have your album? We're getting getting close here. Reaching What's the last that? decade. Yeah, we're we're heading into the home stretch where vacation awaits. Uh, do you have your album for 2011? I do. I'm feeling good about it too. I'm extra and it's set, not yeah. it's not a uh, pop rock up tempo thing that Ben will be like, yeah, I liked it better when it was something else. So <laughs> well, I hope you don't <laughs> first of all, that picks. was a cruel imitation of me. No, I no, I'm it's much my more fault. thoughtful and sensitive. I, I was feeling self-conscious. I've been bringing the same kind of thing for like week after week. This this like last five years. I'm like, hey, this record that sounded like the last record I picked, I also liked. So I'm I'm branching out a little bit. So when the Warriors <laughs> win, you're you're full of vin and vigor. But if they if they let one slip away, you're second. Oh, guessed. then it's then it, this Frank Ocean takes a spanking for sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need. I mean, yeah, if we if we uh, if we bow out early, I'm going to need that Frank Ocean Moon River. Yeah, for sure. The death lineup. I think I think they're going to the finals. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Memphis looks. When Memphis uh, doesn't. Uh, oh. Get in its own way. They are very, very, very. Why good. was that woman coming onto the floor? There's a whole series of protests. Like, what uh, are they protesting? Chained herself to the stanchion a couple of games ago. Another guy tried to super glue himself to the floor. Like, the NBA's got a. Well, what are they protesting? Angry vegans. Yeah. The guy apparently the guy who owns the Timberwolves has something to do with chicken farming, and so they're mad about that. That's yeah, my, that's what I read. That's I think that's absolutely correct. It's an animal rights protest. I see. All right. Well, on that note, we will check you later on the 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys podcast. Peace. Well done. Enjoy your chicken, boys. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. 
Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. 